When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E! Podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Justin Cohn from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. In the thick of the playoffs is where we're coming to you from. Lots to talk about. Justin, what are your two things? What are your stress levels and what are your thoughts on the, the playoffs right now? It's a busy time of year for you, no? Yeah, I mean, you, look, everybody's got to up their game in the playoffs, even the media. So, you know, it's a lot of daily stories, some travel. Uh, we've had some overtime. It's uh, played wreaked havoc on my deadline. So, well, and also really... you have back to back games. Uh, right? Yes, yes, on Friday, Saturday. Is, wow. is that what you mean? Yeah, back to back games and then travel back here. And then, uh, but you know, almost the more difficult part is when you got to deal with the off days, really. Uh, you got you to figure out what to write about, how to fill that time, try and track down injuries if anybody will tell you anything, monitor possible suspensions. There's always so much going on in ECHL playoffs and there's controversy out of every game. We had sort of a, a really wild goal last night where uh, a player kicked the puck, but it didn't kick off his skate. It went off his knee and it missed the net. And then it hit the goalie in the butt ricocheted off his butt, went into the net and like half the building was saying that's a goal. The other half of the building saying that's not a goal. I was 100%, oh, that's not a goal, and then let myself feel fall victim to a little press box peer pressure. So I'm like, oh, I've changed my mind. It is a goal. Then all the league people are like, eh, not so fast. We're going to send it to New York. Anyway, it turned out it was not a goal because you can't kick it in, even if it doesn't go off your skate, even if it hits somebody nowhere near the net and it rolls in because you were attempting to basically score by kicking it in, sort of like that headbutt goal whenever that was in the NHL, maybe last year. Uh, so Last night, Zach Hyman took a puck to the face and scored. <laughs> I don't know if that's the headbutt you're referring to. No, you know, no, but that's a good one. I think, I think you're allowed to do that one. Uh, but I don't know. It was a very confusing situation. But the point here is ECHL playoffs is never uninteresting, and you really got to up your game even as a reporter. You're certainly right about not uh, never a dull moment in this league because right now we are two games into best of seven series the first round, and we've got some upsets that – Justin, they make your 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 picks last week look silly, and you know we knew this was going to happen because you, like anyone's going to be wrong there. But the Utah Grizzlies, my man, they're screwing you over, and they are our team of the week. The Utah Grizzlies up two nothing in their series against the Idaho Steelheads right now. Steelheads were like the AHL ECHL, sorry, best team this year by a landslide, finishing with 119 points. Utah's up. 2-0 the series. They won 3-0 in game one. Game two, they won 3-2. And the real story here is goaltender Trent Minor. He's been leading the charge for Utah, the 958 save percentage and a 1.00 goals against average while facing just about, you know, 40 shots a night. So those aren't empty calorie numbers there. I, I got to ask you first, Justin, did you foresee a situation where Minor was even capable of this type of takeover? Like it, what we're seeing here is pretty, pretty crazy. Well, first off, you know, I take a little exception to your intro there because I honestly feel a little bit vindicated because okay. you will recall 
I did not pick the Idaho Steelheads to win the entire thing. And I took a considerable amount of grief uh, last week for making that pick. So even though I had them falling in the third round, the fact that they're even struggling right now against Utah has me feeling a little bit of vindication. But that's also a little creative, uh, you know, just coloring of rewriting history here. So you're right. Uh, You know, to get back to this, you know, Trent Minor, we knew he's a really good goalie. You know, as you said, NHL deal, he's very experienced. And Utah had a, you know, a, a feeling that they might be more competitive than people were giving them credit for if they got back some of these players that they had on higher level contracts. And of course, Trent Minor is, uh, is the biggest one of those. So, you know, we know that Gold has a single base of the playoffs. Uh, he's been doing really well. He's got that experience. Like I said, you know, you got to keep in mind, Idaho is not necessarily doing the things that they had done during the regular season. Um, Their offense has largely disappeared in this series. And that is not their biggest strength, though. Uh, So there's been a lot of opportunistic plays made by Utah. They've gotten a little bit better goaltending. And the Idaho offense has not quite been up to stuff so far. Uh, and the biggest thing here is Utah's two wins came on Idaho ice. So now this series right. goes back to Utah and they're in great position. So there, there are a lot of factors going on in that series. I guess, I mean, in a lot of ways, obviously, this is where legends are born, right? This time of year when you've got like Trent Minor doing this. But you see, like, is this often that you see a guy that's, you know, a, above average, a good goal in the ECHL become great this time of year? I feel like this is when the stage is set for that. Well, I mean, you certainly see that. I, I would say Trent Minor is a pretty great goalie to begin with. Um, you know, but what but we're seeing two games is pretty – like I'm talking about like he could win the series for them. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, here's here's the deal. So Idaho's got great goaltending as well. He's just outplaying Adam Scheel, who if you listen to our episode a couple of weeks back, was uh, – you know, I had a very highly rated for our goaltender of the year. Uh, now, one thing to keep in mind is Remy Poirier, who's Idaho's other great goalie, he's still not back with them from uh, the AHL. So that's a yeah. factor too. But what you're seeing is a lot of opportunism. So in the first game, which was a three to nothing victory, uh, both goalies were playing really well. And what it really comes down to, what I think is going to be really memorable, especially if Utah goes on to win this series, was a, a goal by Kyle Betts. And it's one of the weirder goals you're going to see. Uh, a shot is taken, I believe, from the slot. It misses the net. It hits the glass behind the net, ricochets and lands on top of the net. And then a player comes in and kind of swats at it. I don't think he made contact, but it was enough that the puck comes down off the net and Kyle Betts is there to just bang it in. So if you're following, puck goes off the glass, lands on the net, falls off the net, Betts bangs it in, and that makes it two to nothing. And it really gave Utah all sorts of confidence and sucked a little bit of the life out of Idaho in this opening game of the playoffs. Now in game two, Utah wins three to two. And what I really liked about that game was the resiliency that the Grizzlies showed. Cody Heiskanen scored uh, for Idaho. That cut the lead to two to one. And you really thought, okay, they've got all the momentum. But Utah buckled down really well defensively. They end up getting an empty netter from Dylan Fitz. That proved to be the game winner. And Miner stopped 29 of 31 shots in that game. Adam Shields stopped 29 of 31 as well. So pretty equal goaltending. 
but it's a, a really just a, a, a strong defensive performance all around right now from Utah. Another prospect uh, of sorts that's doing well in this series is Taron Pfizer, signed to an AHL deal with the Colorado Eagles, and he had a pretty big goal throughout the series. Yeah, I mean, Taron Pfizer's a nice player. He'll put up a lot of shots. He had 223 of them uh, during the regular season. Uh, he's he's just a really talented two-way defenseman. But one thing that I like about what he's doing is his defensive play right now is so much better than it was during the regular season. Now, Utah overall was not a good defensive team during the regular season. And Pfizer had 50 points, but he was minus 27. So I believe that was worse on the entire roster. Yes, it was. So minus 27, like when you go into the playoffs and you got a guy like that, you need him to up his game, and he's been doing it so far. Uh, he had that key goal, like you said, and he's he's really creating some offense with some shots from the back end. And when he is makes make sure that he is not caught up ice, like all defensemen in the playoffs, uh, their their um, you know their chances of success are that much better. So you know Idaho right now. Um, one thing to note, they have most of their NHL, AHL guys, and it's a pretty substantial list. Let me just tell you the, the higher contracted guys they have right now. Adam Shield, Dawson Bartow, Owen Hedrick, Justin Ducharme, Ryan Domowski, and Jordan Kawaguchi. Uh, so that's one, two, three, six guys right there. Those are all impressive players. So for Utah to be overcoming that with a little bit lesser roster is pretty impressive right now. Let's look at the other side of the matchup here. What does this mean for Idaho? Well, you know, I, I don't think they're going to panic. This is a pretty deep roster, and, you know, they're not far away. You know, I think if they keep plugging away offensively, eventually it's going to come. But what you don't want to see them do is start pressing a lot. Because once you start pressing, that's when you have the defensive lapses. Utah is a pretty good team in transition. So, I think they just need to kind of stay the course. This is a 2-3-2 series, so right now that doesn't bode well for Idaho. But they've been really good all season against divisional opponents, even on the road. So I don't think they're going to be phased by this. But it's an uphill battle. There's there's no question about it. And, you know, that's that's why I like best of seven series, too. You know, I I my... I want to do everything in our power to determine the best teams. And I think you do that through a best of seven series, not best of five, not best of three. I know we'll talk about this later, but they've got. Well, let's get into it now. Let's get into it now because it goes into what we're going to talk to Um, the playoff series formats. You have some opinions of the best of three in the AHL that kind of goes in with that. Let's talk about that before we get into the ECHL landscape, like the best of three element you hate. See, I I feel like we should get three just to play in. We should get we should get producer Connor to play some whimsical music where Justin takes you back to the glory days of sports that you youngsters don't understand. But there was a time that best of three. Oh my gosh, I, I can't even stand it. I don't yeah, care. Three, but it's the play-in series. It's not even the playoffs. Okay, that's just. It's, it's, I find that ridiculous. Like, it's not even the playoffs, though. Basically, but it, but it is the playoffs. Well, it's, no, because they added six extra teams, so it's basically like a, a charity playoff okay what the argument you're making here is that that play-in game in the ncaa basketball tournament that's not part of the tournament even though you have to win to keep playing it's not part of the tournament. What play-in game okay i guess you don't you don't know those american sports so in in the ncaa tournament yeah. you know it's 64 teams yeah. but there's really 60, I guess right now it's 66. Oh, teams. sorry, sorry. I know exactly what so you're they, 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 on The Tuesday before the NCAA yes. tournament, they have two games. 
Yeah. Those are play-in games. But come on. No, it's part of the tournament. Why? Because if you lose, your season's over. Is it if nationally you win, broadcasted? You keep playing. Yeah, it's nationally broadcast. Mm-hmm. Sure. In the North but, Pole here, we don't get it. So, uh, look, what I'm saying is you can call it a playing game. The leagues can call it a playing game. I understand that. But the stakes are the same, are they not? You need to win to continue your season. Mm-hmm. If you get eliminated, your season is over. How is that not part of the playoffs? Because they're not the, in the 16 teams that make the playoffs. It's an extra how many make it, like four, six? So you're at 22 teams. Mm-hmm. My point is it's the best of three series to get into the playoffs the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Like, how I, many teams make the ECHL playoffs? 16? 16. Okay, so the AHL would be 22 at first, and then you narrow it down to 16. So you're saying if the ECHL next season said, look, our playoffs are still 16 teams, but we're going to add a couple playoffs. No, you don't need play-in. to add a play-in because ECHL, those arenas don't really have as many conflicts as the AHL, right? Like, and they have... What are you basing that statement on? I more so mean that like those, of course they have the conflicts, but I more so mean that not even just availability. Like look at the ECHL attendance compared to AHL. Those buildings allow them to do a lot better and they can really benefit from seven games doing that, right? Or four games per round, per team. Okay. The AHL arenas, like it's honestly probably not economically feasible for them to be having so many games to be making more money than other things. I think that's part of it too. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I don't have the data here, but I'm not sure I subscribe to that. You're saying they'd rather have shorter series because they're going to make more money doing other things. I think that it's maybe not as like you don't like you don't need it. Those buildings, a lot of them have other things that they have going on there, too. Well, the only way to determine that would be to go through all the buildings and see how many empty dates they have. But I, I'm, I'm going to say pretty confidently that the AHL buildings are not booked seven days a week at this time of year. So they could be making more money there, but we're just guessing. Yeah. But my, my point, you know, to take us back here is it's tomato, it's tomato. You call it a play-in game, that's fine. I consider that part of the playoffs. But my general dislike of best of three, best of five even, when there are later series that are best of seven, is this. The goal to me should be to determine the best teams, period. You shouldn't be making it easier for a lesser team to continue its season over a better team, okay? So let me explain it this way. For when I was younger, for many years, there were early best of five series in the NBA, and then they would go to best of seven in the later rounds. A lot of people, including myself, didn't like that because, hang on, what you're doing here is you're making it easier for there to be an upset. You're basically saying the later rounds of the playoffs are more important, so we're going to make them best of seven, but we're less concerned with the first round, so we're going to make that best of five. In my way of thinking, that's backwards thinking. Okay, The first round, you should maybe above all rounds want to weed out the teams that shouldn't be there. We just played this long regular season to do that, to figure out all these seedings, to determine who's the best team. Why would I want to make it easier for the eighth seed to beat the one seed that's the way it used to work in the nba and it'd be like and it would happen sometimes and you'd be like wait what's going on here if they would have had two more games this might have gone the other direction so that's my feeling that's why i hate best of three and best of five i want best of seven i want to determine the best teams top to bottom 
over a longer length of time. Otherwise, what have we spent the last six months of our lives doing here except trying to create? But I get it. Leagues like upsets. That's why the NCAA tournament does so well on TV because we like to see those upsets. But that's a single elimination to me, too. So I don't know. Your look says I'm crazy, but no, I'm just I'm following up what I said before. In terms of the best of three series, those are bonus games, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are like the playoffs technically starts in the second, like the when it becomes 16, because those other games are just cookies, like they're bonus games is kind of what I'm trying to say. I don't think I deliver my point properly. Whereas the ECA, like they don't need, the AHL doesn't need to make that game seven games. And I don't, I don't know if they could, because that's now accounting for even more availability you have to reserve. That makes it how many rounds out? Five rounds? The play-in is not part of the four rounds to the Calder Cup. It's an extra round. Right. I get that. That's I'm another saying... week of like, you have to have that availability there where they, they can't book anything there. I just don't okay. know if that makes Explain sense. Explain to me the virtue of the playoff play-in game then. What's the value? More teams make the playoffs. Wait, but you said they didn't make the playoffs. No, I, I'm not saying I agree with it. That's that's the <laughs> argument. Like, that's the notion. Who knows? I don't okay, know. it feels like you're playing both sides of the fence to me. But, Probably. But moving uh, on. So, so, to get back to the format. So, we have um, best of seven in the ECHL, thank goodness. Okay, but we don't have uniformity in the series format. Okay, so for instance, we have two series that are actually a three four format. One is Newfoundland Adirondack. So they start with three games at Adirondack and then go four games at Newfoundland, which is the higher seed. And they're doing the same with Allen and Kansas City where it started in Kansas City for three games, and then we go to Allen for another four. So how do you feel about that? That's a little wild, no? Sorry, say that again? It's a 3-4 format. Right. But what? wait, sorry. I thought it was 3-2. Like it was 3, sorry, 2-3-2. Two, two. No, all the series are different. There are different formats with different series. So yeah, that's that what I'm saying. Sense. Newfoundland Adirondack starts on the road with three games, right? And then goes back to Newfoundland for up to four games. Same with Kansas City Allen. You're going to ask why Newfoundland Ge the, geographically, right? Newfoundland the travel yeah. is more prohibitive than maybe any other league in all of minor league sports, frankly, because they're so far off on an island compared to everybody else in the league. Okay, so travel is prohibited. So the way they solve Adirondack having to fly out to Newfoundland and then maybe come back is they play a three-four series because the teams agree, okay, we're fine with this. This has happened before, and Newfoundland has said, okay, we're okay starting on the road, and then we'll have the four games at home. Now with Allen, Kansas City, it's different. That's about arena availability. So mm -hmm. Allen was willing to punt starting at home. So you're right. Most series are 2-3-2, two, two, but not all of them. Some of them are 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Um, my question to you is, how do you feel about that? Do you do you have a format that you would prefer? Do you think 3-4? I mean, I think it's situational, what you just listed, right? So I don't know if there's an alternative to it. Like, if if... if implementing that in the league allows for flexibility 
everyone wins. No. Well, I don't know if everyone wins. The well, thing. if you're gonna have new, okay, uh, let's let's focus on Newfoundland. If you're gonna have Newfoundland in the league, you have to have accommodations like that, though. Like what I mean by that is it's not the traditional because of access. You can't you cannot drive there, right? Or like I mean, right. So right. my point is, if you're gonna have in the league, you have to ha- be flexible in those things. It just comes with the territory. So again, when I was growing up, you know, NHL was always two two one one one, and then we did reach a point. Where following, I could be a little bit off, but following the NBA's lead, they decide, you know, we maybe should start considering 2-3-2 because of the travel. If the Rangers are playing the Kings in a playoff series, you know, maybe we need to consider 2-2-1-1-1 isn't the best part. But at the time, one of the things that I think people have sort of forgotten about through the years, one of the real negatives that was discussed with a 2-3-2 series is that it's possible in that series that the lower-seeded team gets more home games than the higher-seeded team. And sometimes people don't like that. So that is one of my concerns with a 2-3-2. Are you following me on that? Yeah. So I I don't know. I like it. I'm a traditionalist, so I like 2-2-1-1-1. I think that's the most fair way to determine our champion. Uh, Mm. So in terms of your point about the Newfoundland fan, you know – I don't know. I mean, what happens if it's a three, four series and they go out and they drop the first two games on the road. Now you're in a potential disadvantage. Now. So you would prefer in a perfect world to do the two, two perfect world, two, two, one, one, one. Now as but a guy in is- an ideal world, that is almost impossible. Once you get after the two, two. Uh, it's for Newfoundland. Pen- it's a- well for Newfoundland. Yes. But, okay. You can't make a league rule where it's like all cool, except for yeah. Newfoundland. Well, there is no league rule. I mean, if, if it's Fort yeah. Wayne, if it's Fort Wayne Toledo, they would go two two one 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 most likely, you know, because geographically it's possible. But I don't know. I just find it's it's an interesting question. But here's here's the wildest format I've ever seen. What do you think the wildest format you could even think of would be in a best of seven? One five one one. <laughs> That's eight. That would be incredible. One uh, four one one. I covered one 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 series. Back and forth. How do you like that? Why? Or old, how old? Well, not the, the 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 second iteration of the International Hockey League. All of the teams were pretty closely approximated, and they determined that by alternating games. Um, first off, they, for some reason, thought it was most fair. They decided it was going to get more butts in the seats. Uh, I, I think everybody liked it except for the media. <laughs> mm-hmm. The media, that was the worst. I'm like hauling butt back and forth. And of course, every time I had to do one, 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 it was, it was a seven game series. Like it would go all seven games. So that's one of the wilder things I've seen. I guess the question I would have is, has there ever been a situation where neither or, or where there was conflicts? There were so many conflicts that they had to, like, neither series idea really worked. Has there ever been a situation where, like, we have to do something completely untraditional? Yeah, I've I've seen series where... All seven at one arena? No, I'm kidding. But, like... Um, no, well, probably the closest. I've seen teams punt the home ice advantage. Like, just literally, say, yeah. like literally, literally, we're only going to take three games or we're only sure. going to take two games because that's all we can do. Uh, yeah. I think I mentioned this before in 2021, there was a there was a lot of weird stuff going on because there was no building availability because 
they were playing the playoffs in July because of the pandemic and nobody had planned on that. So Wichita had to play its home games at its practice arena in the playoffs. And it was wild. There was no glass in some areas. There was a very low ceiling. So the puck was hitting that all the time. I think there was something going on with the netting and even wilder with South Carolina in the finals didn't have their arena because they were uh, filming the righteous gemstones there. So they had to play at a practice arena and there was like obstructed view seats. I mean, there was all kinds of weird stuff going on, but probably the, the, the wildest thing I've seen is punting the home ice advantage. And I do think I've seen series. This is going back where it was supposed to be best of seven, but they had to do best of five because they couldn't figure out a way to do it. Oh, and the last one I did see was I've seen them punt games to neutral ice arenas. So Fort Wayne played. Oh, what leads to that? Uh, well, so in, they played Missouri and Missouri didn't have their arena. So they actually moved the games to St. Louis, uh, like the the Blues Arena, whichever, whatever its name was at the time. So they'd never played in that building before. Suddenly they're playing in there. And you know what messes up playoff schedules more than anything at this level? Disney on ice. Disney on ice is always the yeah, offender, it seems, with these teams. Disney on ice. We should boycott Disney on ice is what you're saying, right? <laughs> no, I'm just telling you, if you're buying a ticket to Disney on ice, you might be costing a hockey player's playoff life. South Carolina Stingrays. Justin Cones, Kelly Cupick. Yes. Are, are one and one in their series right now. Yes. I was feeling a little apprehensive about it. Uh, they lost game one. They lost game one five to nothing. But I, I, I did say with full disclosure that the South division was so difficult that I could have been totally wrong. Nothing would have surprised me. South Carolina came out, lost five to nothing in game one, but they have a very difficult foe. They have the Florida Everblades. That is the defending champions. They got shut out by Cam Johnson. In the first game, Florida's goalie, he stopped 35 of 35 shots. Of course, he helped them win a cup last year, so he's got lots of experience. But the Stingrays re renewed my faith in game two. They came out and won four to nothing. So back-to-back -back shutouts in that series. A lot of great goaltending going on. This isn't to say Cam Johnson wasn't good in game two. He was. He stopped 25 of 28 shots. But what happened in the South Carolina net? In the first game, they went with Tyler Wall. He stopped 23 of 28 shots, looked a little bit iffy at times. He, of course, is on an AHL contract with the Hershey Bears. In game two, the Stingrays came back with our guy Clay Stevenson. He is a Washington Capitals prospect. He stopped all 27 shots he faced. So one thing I want to mention about this is this is not the only series that this has happened where a coach did not go with the NHL-contracted goalie to start the series. He went with the other guy. So in South Carolina, really good goalie, AHL-contracted goalie Tyler Wall, but I do think it bears mentioning that they had the NHL guy on the side. This has also happened with Fort Wayne. This has also happened with Cincinnati. I believe that also happened with uh, – well, it didn't happen with Maine. What they did was they uh, flipped – and went back to the guy. So they they have they have for at least for the time being benched the NHL contracted guy to go with the AHL contracted guy. So the whole point here is it's not long ago there was a time where you had to start your NHL contracted goalie because that was what the NHL team had basically dictated. I have seen affiliations 
blown apart because the ECHL coach didn't go with the NHL goaltender. He went with the guy that he trusted more. So maybe we're seeing a little bit more flexibility given to the ECHL teams. I saw this in Fort Wayne. They said very clearly, we're going to go with the goalie that we think is going to give us the best chance to win regardless of contract status. More autonomy, basically. Yes, but I've seen teams do it. And then, you know, you hear later on, oh, the NHL team wasn't happy about it. But it is interesting to me that there were some of these guys like Clay Stevenson, like Beck Warm, like Ryan Fancy, who were sitting on opening night in favor of some other guys who Here's a question, aren't... though, Justin. Sorry, mm-hmm. didn't mean to cut. I took my You're earphone off. I said that. I thought you weren't talking. Um, How much, like, so if, if because we talked about this on the AHL show, but when there was the Chicago Wolves went independent, right? And there was talk about how Carolina was frustrated with them and whatever, and that dissolved. What is the nature of the agreement for an ECHL NHL affiliation in the sense of like what really does the NHL technically control like in the agreement? Well, because wouldn't it say in, in the in the writing, not that this matters, of course, relationships are important, but that this is where you would loan out a player like they don't have it's not the same relationship with the NHL and AHL, right? It's a different kind of agreement. No. If you're asking, would it be written into the contract things yeah. like this, like you're going to play our our goalie, yeah. you know, yeah. I I don't know. I never, I nobody's, doubt it. nobody's ever told me that that is specifically right. written in. I have heard of things written in, like if this, if you assign this player to us and we're not happy with him for whatever reason, you know, we can ask him out of here, you know, like it's the ECHL team because sometimes you do get guys that are, you don't want leftovers. Well, right? yeah, yeah. You get guys that are problems or, yeah. Uh, there's one situation I'm thinking of in particular where it was a goalie who hadn't played well and, you know, there was off ice things going on and, and they, the team I'm thinking about was, was concerned that he, they'd be stuck with him all year with no out if it got to that. Um, But in terms of playing guys, I've never quite heard that written into a contract. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but Mm -hmm. I have a hundred percent seen affiliations blown up because of it. I'll give you a name. Spencer Martin. It happened in Fort Wayne. Uh, he was a prospect at that time, very young, uh, mm-hmm. probably a little green for the particular playoff series he was in. Uh, the team was playing another guy instead of Martin, and the Colorado Avalanche were not happy about it. And that um, uh, affiliation was dissolved in that offseason. So I have 100% seen things like that happen before. So the big thing is you have to have good communication. You have to have that good working relationship and be on the same page. Like they have to understand what your priorities are as at the ECHL level, you know, and that is is in so many ways, you know, whether that's you're calling up a bunch of the guys from the ECHL team and having them sit in the stands rather than play, you know, how's that going to be perceived with your ECHL affiliate to things like we're talking about, which goalie do you play? Is somebody going to be mad if we don't go with the hot hand, we go with the guy that's on the NHL contract? So it's all about communication. You have to be on the same page. But at the end of the day, really, the ECHL team is typically at the mercy of the AHL team because if they get mad at you, you may not, you may lose that affiliation. And you may be scrambling during the summer to, to put together the roster you want for next season. So you kind of mess with the agreement at your peril, I guess is the best way to put it. What's the most exciting series that you've seen so far this year? 
Well, right now, I think it's it's Maine versus Redding, and Redding looked great uh, winning the first two games. I was sitting there thinking, okay, they're just what I thought they were going to be, but Maine has come back hard. Um, one player that I want to talk about that I, I would say is our prospect of the week is Carter Johnson. Uh, he has got three goals and five points for the Mariners in that series. Uh, he's a player I like because – you know, I think he has gone under the radar. He is on an ECHL contract, but check this out. In 141 ECHL games in his career, he's got 31 goals and 93 points. So 93 points in 141 games for a guy on ECHL deal who's only two seasons out of college is pretty impressive to me. So you're probably going to ask, well, why is he on an ECHL deal? And I think this is a good example of a guy that's maybe – been missed because he hasn't been on the best teams. Uh, he was on Wichita last year, which did not have the best season. Started off this year with Wheeling, uh, which also missed the playoffs, didn't have the best season. So he gets traded in March to Maine, and now he's exploding, and we're seeing it in this series. I, I forget if I said three goals, five points in the series. He has helped lead uh, Maine back, had a uh, hat track the other night, and they're looking a lot better now. We mentioned the goaltending with Maine. They went with Michael DiPietro the first two games, and now they're back to Francois Bassard. So he's uh, helped solidify that. But the scoring in that series has been higher than I anticipated a little bit. Um, Mariners won 7-3 to three, uh, uh, last night on Tuesday night. So, again, that series is now tied. Carter Johnson also, I mean – one probably the bet one of the best deadline additions this year would you say uh probably i mean the way it's looking right now i think anytime you pick up a guy you know for not a lot and, and then 13 get, points in 14 games yeah right and then you and then you get a hat trick uh from him. so it's you know something i like about him he's got some size he's six foot three uh, about 206 pounds uh but he's got a really nifty shot so if you look at that hat trick, he had some real quick release shots from the circles, but he'll use his size. He'll get in front of the net. He'll barrel some people over. He was a guy with wheeling that I thought really stood out a lot. And I was actually a little surprised that they gave up on him, uh, but he's doing some things for Maine right now. Speaking of deadline additions and playoffs and whatnot, one last thing I want to ask you about is what's the rule with the playoff rosters? Like, can you, why can't you go pick up someone right now? Why can't you just go sign a free agent? Boy, I tell you, I, I brought up playoff rosters the other day, and I was being dragged through the ringer by some people. They're like, I've never heard of any sport that's doing what you're pitching, and other people thought it was a great idea. So my idea is this. Well, you most had, leagues, though, right? Most well, leagues have a deadline. Well, so you have a, so the regular season ended on a Sunday. Yeah. You, you have to have your playoff roster in by 3 o'clock the following day, okay? Okay. So – there are a lot of things that go on in that less than 24 hours, including you got to talk to your AHL, NHL affiliate yeah. and figure out who are you sending, who might be here if you're eliminated. But it's sometimes a crapshoot because what if the AHL team keeps playing for a while or what if somebody gets injured? Um, but here's what I don't like is there are a, a lot of good players who are released at that 3 p.m. deadline and their season is just over. And I feel like there should be some window to maybe pick up some of those guys. Or a protection list. Just something where, like, because it, it keeps it 
equitable in the sport where it's like you're not getting a situation where teams can load up and throw money later, but that these guys aren't being left on the sidelines. Well, so the best example is what happened in Toledo. So Grand Rapids misses the AHL playoffs, right? So they send just a, a cavalcade of talent down to Toledo. Toledo is absolutely stacked now with these AHL guys because they've got a good affiliation with Grand Rapids and Grand Rapids missed the playoffs. So Toledo is cutting guys like Mitchell Hurd, who's a guy that's almost a point per game player. Ryan Lowney is another guy that comes to mind. They were left off the playoff roster. And I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, almost every team in the league would probably consider at least have the conversation about picking up Mitchell Hurd, but they don't even have the ability to do that because that's not the way the system works. What I think should happen is they should have maybe 24 hours. Let's do a waiver system and a team like, you know, let's just say Fort Wayne ravaged by injuries on the last weekend of the regular season. They lose four guys and they lost an entire top line on the last weekend of the regular season. They would have loved to maybe have the opportunity to put in a claim on a guy like Mitchell Hurd who used to play there. But instead, what do they have to do? They have to put a guy on their playoff roster, hope that he shows up from Bakersfield. He did not. They have to maybe hope that they strike gold with one of these rookies that they picked up late in the season. We don't know. And you would think that the Players Association might say, hey, we want these guys to have jobs. We want Mitch Hurd, a veteran player, top-line player. We'd like him to keep playing, but... I don't know. But then I, the the naysayers were like, I can't think of any league that does this that allows you to hand in a, a playoff roster. And I'm like, this is the ECHL. We've got protected right. lists coming out the wazoo during the regular during the offseason. Nobody knows what half of them means. We could have, like you said, another protected list right now and uh, you know, make it possible for some teams to make some minor alterations at this point. That's my feeling. Don't disagree there. Um, should we cap it there, Justin? Well, let me just uh, give you a couple thoughts on Cincinnati-Fort Wayne because you asked you asked about the best series. This is a really interesting one, and I think we should talk about Cincinnati because they were the second-best team in the league during the regular season behind the Idaho Steelheads. They are up 2-1 to one on, in, on Fort Wayne, but Fort Wayne, I think, can legitimately be argued, has outplayed the Cyclones in all three games. This is a 2-3-2 series. So Fort Wayne won game three. They've got games four and five at home. But what I want to mention is the goaltending in this series. Uh, I touched on it. Beck Warm was not the game one starter. Mark Sinclair was. Fort Wayne came out, shocked the league for a while. They had a three to nothing lead in the first period on the road in game one. Mark Sinclair is pulled. Beck Warm comes in. Uh, he has been lights out since then. And Fort Wayne also made a change. They started Ryland Peronto game one. Now they're with Edmonton Oilers prospect Ryan Fancy. He had a shutout last night, 35 save shutout in game three. Fort Wayne didn't have a shutout the entire regular season. Ryan Fanti, who is a rookie, I've talked about him before. I think he is a legit NHL prospect. So he has come in and almost kind of saved the series so far. So that is one to watch too. These teams really don't like each other. There was almost a line brawl with 19 seconds left in game three. So that's something to watch. There's been wacky officiating. So that could be a series to watch as a possible upset as well because Cincinnati is being outplayed so far. And next week, where will we be in the series? 
Uh, next next week at this time, uh, we should know whether Fort Wayne is still playing or whether they're not. Game seven would be on Wednesday if it gets that far. But Fort Wayne has not been good at home during the regular season, so take nothing for granted. It would not shock me if they drop games four and five, and they're done. We'll just have to see what happens. All right. And I'm going to educate myself on playing games. I'm going to try and figure out what you're talking about because I don't think you're right. So am I. All right. <laughs> until Until next week, folks. Take care. We'll see you next week.